Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 351. Along the way, I learned that uh, the older way of management uh, and what I knew wasn't good enough. And I needed to step out and learn from others. Uh, So I attended a lot of webinars, conferences, met a lot of people, read a lot of books. Till finally, I started understanding what are the right things to do in the restaurant business that you can drastically improve your revenues by working less. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Let me tell you about Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps startups and small businesses like restaurants, cafes, and bars outsource or crowdsource custom graphic, logo, and web design from over 550,000 designers from around the world. Check out designcrowd.com slash unstoppable to receive up to $100 off your first design project or simply enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout. Hey guys, would you like to know the exact marketing strategy a restaurant owner used to generate over $36,000 in sales from just $400 in Facebook ads? Would you like to know how a bar owner doubled her Tuesday night business in just four weeks for just $50 a week? Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy of the industry's number one selling marketing and promotion book, Bar and Restaurant. Success. This book reveals the step by step marketing plan that created these results so you can apply them in your own business. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Nandu. Nandu, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is what we like to hear. So, Nandu is a third-generation hospitality entrepreneur with 18 years in the hospitality industry. He is based out of New Orleans, Louisiana, and has helped restaurateurs and food and beverage business owners make more money, get their time back, and grow their businesses beyond what they could have thought was possible. So obviously, uh, we're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to dive into who you are, what you're all about. But first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. Take it away. All right. So I have a lot of success quotes, so I'm going to go with the mantra that I say every day, which is, I can do it. Yes. This business is so tough. (laughs) That's the one thing that got me through. I can do it. Awesome. Uh, So I I kind of gave the listeners a taste of who you are, but real quick, go to like 30,000 feet and give us a big picture of what you got going on and where you're from and just give us a a full mouthful of what what we got going on with you. So I'm originally from India. I was born into hospitality, the third generation, as you've already said. My grandfather got into the hotel business, my father, and then me. And I diversified and opened a chain of restaurants in 2002 that did exceptionally well. And um, along the way, I learned that uh, the older way of management uh, and what I knew wasn't good enough. And I needed to step out and learn from others. Uh, So I attended a lot of webinars, conferences, met a lot of people, read a lot of books. 
till finally i started understanding what are the right things to do in the restaurant business that you can drastically improve your revenues by working less and that was a big turning point for me because uh i w- i didn't have a life and i said i can't live like this and so that helped me that learning helped me also to get back my time and when i realized that you can lead a really good life on good money from a restaurant and have fun you know in the business and not stress that much um uh, brought me down to uh deciding in 2016 my wife's from the united states so we moved to the united states and i said uh, you know and then of course i had already mentioned to you that in 2016 in on my way here i had a heart attack at the age of 38 wow that's and young. that yeah <laughs> and that was a shock and a wake up call that i needed maybe that life can't go on like this you mm-hmm. can't work 15 hour days and and you know that's not life mm-hmm. and so it's time for balance you need to work smarter not just harder mm-hmm. you know and i said uh, and that's when a light bulb struck that i think restaurateurs across the world need to know this mm-hmm. that it's possible mm-hmm. and of course the changes i had made already in the last 5 6 years were too late my you know my body had already taken a toll uh but today i have started fnb business school which is an online platform where i give step by step plans to restaurateurs and other fnb owners be it a food truck owner caterer anybody in the business okay. um um you know from a casual dining restaurant bakery to a coffee shop um as to how they can really drastically jump their revenues profits and get back their time so they can spend that time with their family you know mm. and that's my motivation and that's my you know that's what's yeah. happening lots happening And Nandu was being super modest with his introduction because what he accomplished back home in India uh truly amazing. I can't really I really can't wait to to dive into what it is that you did and uh it's 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 a great story. Uh so many great things already that you mentioned that have me so excited. Just the fact that you're self-educated, um you know, you you kind of went against the grain coming back from a traditional family where thinking outside the box doing things differently probably aren't always really uh, accepted so i can't yes. wait to dive into your story and really pull back the layers yeah. and and find out how you got to where you are today so let's go back to when you knew this was going to be your career I mean, did you even have right. a choice because i think we were talking a little yeah. in the past and you're kind of uh, forced into this role were you not yes, yes absolutely <laughs> So, you know, if I were to go all the way back, I went to a military boarding school. Okay. And living that regimented life, all I wanted to do was party. Yeah. At the age of 17. <laughs> and but at the age of 17, um, you know, my dad was like you got to get into hospitality and I I really wasn't for it. Um, I didn't know much about it, but I wasn't for it. And so I gave him an ultimatum yeah you want me to do it then send me to switzerland and i thought he'd not go for it but he did you know? <laughs> so there i was caught in my own trap and i reached oh, uh, switzerland and i did four years of hotel management in a fantastic university called leroche okay. and i met people from 82 different countries and a mixing pot of culture and that life really uh, and the life of a hotelier and a restaurant really really stuck out to me i said i can do this you know mm. I I think I'm built for this and I'm very comfortable in the clothes of either a uniform of a chef to the uniform in a suit. And this is just me. What you, you know? said I think I'm built for this. What made you yeah. think that you were built for it? I don't know. It, it just it's just like that was my place. I felt at home. Mm. 
doing the things that I was doing. Is it just and, because that's what you grew up with? That's what you knew? Yeah. Okay. That's what I grew up with. That's what I knew. You know, I, at the age of 13 or 15, I used to stand behind the reception of the hotel or, you know, just stand in the restaurant and see what's happening. Okay. So I, I was aware of what it was like, but uh, this really gave me a taste of what's required to be successful. Okay. You know? And uh, not only successful locally, you, how you can take this business globally or at least out of your city, you know. So the, it, it expanded my vision of what's possible. Gotcha. And um, um, so after that, um, I came back to India and um, I came back and then, then I came to the States to train in New Orleans, you know, which is why I love this city. I, so okay. I trained here in a hotel called the Pavillon. A uh, very fancy hotel. I okay. got promoted seven times in two years, which was oh, wow. unusual. Yeah. Seven times in I, two years. You knew it was excellent. It was an excellent experience. Um, you know, I had a staff of a hundred people under me at the age of twenty-one, and the challenges of managing them, and that to being a foreigner. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it wasn't easy, but I learned a lot. Okay. And then I and then I went back to India because I said I want to start my own business, and yeah. also I'd been away from family a lot. What year are we looking at right now? Now, this was 2001. 2001. So 2000. And how long were you? You said you were three years in New Orleans? Uh, two years. In two New years. Orleans. Okay. Yeah. So from like 99 to 2001. Correct. Correct. Uh, got promoted seven times. Uh, at any point, can you reflect back on a time where you knew that uh, you wanted to start being more intentional? You started doing things with intent to accomplish a, a specific thing to get you one step closer to uh, what your ultimate vision was at that time. Can you take us to that moment? Right. Um, there was a time when the, so I joined as an F&B trainee, an international F&B trainee. And your basic job was to manage the restaurant. Okay. Um, and overlook banquets a little bit. Okay. And um, what happened was in in 2000, the director of food and beverage, uh, you know, quit. Okay. So there was nobody there. Okay. And there was no, and so there was the head of banquets and me. And we had to pretty much buck up and get our act together and manage the whole F&B operations of the complete hotel. Okay. And that put me in a spot to suddenly, you know, not only take on the responsibility, but acknowledge that, yes, I'm, I'm able to do this. And it boosted my confidence. Uh, the second thing that happened was that I, I had a lot of friction from the employees when I came in being a foreigner. But within a few months, I had uh, all the hundred odd employees, uh, you know, working as a good team under me. And that made me realize that, you know, uh, I know how to manage people without being a tyrant or, you know, a kind of dictate terms or using my hierarchy, I could touch them in some way and get them to do what I needed them to do. And so that was, that gave me the confidence to say, okay, I think I'm all right. I'm happy going forward, but I didn't go back to India considering that I may be in hospitality. I kept an open mind. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into this. We can't just skim over these two things. The whole idea of uh, just boosting your confidence by being forced into this role where you had no choice. You kind of burnt the ships and now you had, you know, you're, you're up against it. You have to do this. I want to talk about that. And I also want to talk about how uh, you, you gained the trust and rapport of your team with that cultural hurdle that you got over. But uh, 
take us through that moment of the, the food and was it the food and beverage director who who left? Yes. Um, yes. How how did that all go down? Like you're faced with all this responsibility. What did you do to to overcome that challenge? How take us all through right. that process? So um, when he left, um, you know, things started to go down downhill. Um, and I had no choice but to buck up and I had no idea what to do. Okay. So I just did whatever came as common sense. Okay. So okay. What, came, what came as common sense? Like take um, us through it. At that time, I think it was making sure that everybody came to work. Okay. Step number one. <laughs> you know? uh, two was uh, who does what. You okay. know? And uh, how are they doing it? And is there kind of an ali- alignment in what we want and what they're doing? And one thing that really stuck out was that nobody was number focused. And I kind of brought in a little bit of numbers as to, okay, let's look at this. So let's look at that. Let's monitor that. And um, the general manager at that time uh, said, you know, Nandu, there's one thing I can tell you that you could do. And that's take a meeting every day. And initially I was like, uh, I don't know, you know, what's there to talk every day? It's the same stuff. But I said, all right. Let's give it a shot. And um, that kind of changed a lot because the process of a daily meeting is so important. Um, And when we started implementing that on a daily basis, it kind of brought a lot of alignment with the employees. So that's how I dived into it and then took it from there, you know? Okay. So operational front. A lot of people right now listening to that might say, who has time for a daily meeting or how do we even get all these people that are important or just like everybody on staff, like how do we get right. everybody in one spot on right. one day? Or, so what's, what's your argument to that person that right. says we don't have time for daily okay. meeting? So, so I'd approach it in this way on the psychological front first, okay. which is that by, getting, by having a daily meeting every day, you're pretty much reinstating what you want to say on a daily basis. Okay. So at some point, it's going to sink into everyone's head. Initially, let's be realistic. Humans are resistant to change. Okay. Almost. So we have to understand that and, and accept that. So initially people would co- pass comments or say, Hey, I don't want to do this or what's, what's so good about this or what are we going to get about this? You're going to hear back talking of like, you're wasting their time. Just ignore all of that. Okay. Stick to the plan, do the daily meeting, say what you have to just stay, say the same things every day, you know, so that it sinks in. And what happens in the first 30 or 45 days is you're setting a discipline. You're really not doing much. And when you set that discipline, like teaching a kid how to brush his teeth, I mean, he's not going to do it the first time or the 10th time, you know, it's doing it again and again and again. And that's what I would say to someone um, that understand there's power in saying something every day. Mm. So, so I, sorry, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, so if please. I say like, hey, you know, this one's target is, let's say $50,000. I say it every day. By the 10th day, everybody knows the target, right? Mm-hmm. Just that is enough. Yeah. Because then you say, hey, where are we today? And uh, the people start asking, hey, Nandu, where, where are we today? And I'll say, we're at 30. We should be at 40. Just that is enough mm. you know, to get them involved in the business. So how you long know? does this meeting look? I'm curious. Like, What's that? Like, the time uh, today when I teach uh, restaurateurs, today my technique of uh, daily meetings are very different from when it used to be. Yeah. So I would today tell somebody not more than 15 minutes, not one, 15. five minutes. Yeah. That's it. Don't keep it what's, longer than that. What's the ideal time? 
one five, 15 one five. minutes. Okay. Yeah. So the, the big thing I'm getting from you is with this daily meeting, what you're doing is you're painting the picture of perfection. You're communicating, you're setting your standards and you're, you're reinforcing the mission uh, the goals, the values, and you're making it known. Uh, you're, and one you're, more thing. Go ahead. And the most important thing is begin with you. It's always best to begin with. How are you? Mm, why is that so important? Because of the human element. We're all humans, you know, it's understanding how are you and everybody gets like 10 seconds or 20 seconds to say how, how they were yesterday mm. or their weekend or somebody's birthday or somebody's wife yeah. just had a kid or something. It just brings a human touch. Absolutely. And, and that is so important to managing people that we kind of often forget. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So you, uh, maybe we're diving in too deep to this, yeah. this little <laughs> section here, but I think it's great. Uh, so you started taking control of the situation by, uh, doing these daily meetings, letting people Correct. know, uh, you know, basically opening up the communication. What are Correct. the other key things you did to take over in this time? I think understanding, uh, what it is to work with people regardless of race, color, nationality. Okay. And that we're pretty much all the same. And we all have the same needs and wants. Okay. And kind of understand that and um, respect that, you know. And that really helped me touch them one-on-one. By the time I finished in two years, all 100 employees have pretty much had a one-on-one relationship with them. Awesome. And We may not have been buddies, yeah. but we were not boss and employee either. Mm. Okay. You know? So... Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, which is I, probably what you're kind of going over right now, is that whole cultural challenge. And uh, it sounds like the secret to that cultural challenge was first giving respect. If you give respect Correct. and you treat people well, Correct. over time, th- those Correct. walls will get broken down. There'll be a mutual respect. Correct. Beautiful. All right. Uh, you know, I'd just like to say something over there. I want to bring an experience of mine that please, will please. maybe shine more light. My first job was in Geneva. And I started off as a busser, a busboy in an extremely fancy restaurant called okay. the Dupac de Zubiv. Extremely fancy. That's where your Phil Collins, Tina Turner used to come dine in, you know, Mr. Rolex, Mr. Cartier, all of these. Guys. Okay. And, um, I didn't know how to speak French. Okay. So I'm in Geneva working in a restaurant. I have no clue what anybody is saying. Oh, man. And I did tell the owner that when he gave me the job and he said, don't worry, you'll pick it up on the job. So it's not like I wasn't aware that I need to pick up French, but yeah. I had no idea uh, what the maitre d' or the general manager was saying. Oh so I'm kind of lost, but I know my job, but I'm kind of lost. So there's one person who kind of took me under his wing and said, I know you don't know how to speak French. So here's the thing on the job. I'm going to speak to you in French and off the job, we're going to speak in English. So you're going to learn and I'm going to help you understand what you need to do tomorrow. But I see that you can do the job and that's why I'm going to take that initiative with you. And what he did was value what I had. Mm. And that changed everything. I worked 15 hour days, six and a half days a week. I never complained for six months. Simply by valuing you saying that I see what you have. And and that was such a powerful lesson. Wow. Because we all have limitations, but we all have strengths. Kind of understand that. Yeah. Find a way to touch your employee. It's magic. Show that you see something in them, that you 
yes. appreciate them, anything, whatever it is, that thing that they have that they yes. that they bring to the table, bring it out of them and let them know it's, that you see it. It's pretty much the same in our families, right? Mm. All, all you want is that appreciation and acknowledgement from your family members. Mm. It's the same thing. You're not yeah. looking for anybody to give you anything more. First is that. Yep. Then everything else. Okay. So let's fast forward. Uh, right. <laughs> I realize we're still in 2001 right now. Uh, okay. So you come back to India. Yes. Uh, what's your life look like? Okay. What my life looked like was uh, I used to. So we also had a, another business of uh, distributing alcohol okay. to pretty much all the restaurants and hotels in, in the city. So I used to go to my dad's office, uh, sit in the corner. Uh, once I finished uh, my first assignment of accounts receivable from all these restaurants who hadn't paid, um, at one o'clock I was done because I, I did it efficiently and finished it off. I used to turn my chair, look into the corner and go to sleep because I was so bored. Okay. There was nothing else to do. The business was so well set. After six months, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I need something more challenging, you know? Oh, and, and I think I asked for too much because the next step that happened was um, I began to see that there was no one selling Italian food in the city. I was in Mumbai, which is a 20 million population city. Okay. There's nobody selling Italian food. Okay. And, um, you know, if, if you can, if you can just work with me, I mean, as an American, you, you take pizza for granted. Yeah. But at that time it was a biscuit kind of base with ketchup and some vegetables and some random cheese on top. And that was pizza to, Indi- to oh, Indians. And I said, okay, I, I, there's a massive <laughs> opportunity here because the basic ingredient of Italian food is onion, tomato, yep. and bread. And it's the same as Indian food, onion, tomato, and bread. And the only thing is cheese, and Indians love cheese. So yeah. this concept is going to work if I can bring Italian food to the masses. Okay. So I decided, hey, let's start with one location, You know, put up a nice kitchen, and then put a couple of tables, do home delivery. Let's take it from there. But when I approached my dad, of course, for the funding, uh, he said, hey, why don't you just not do one? Why don't you do eight? I said, all right, okay. He has a lot of faith in me. And uh, I said, to do eight, then I'm going to need, you know, today you hear you have Cisco or other companies that can produce and you, uh, for you and you can outsource your production. There we didn't. Yeah. So I had to create my own central kitchen facility, which oh, was... Wow. Um, a very large facility that I built for eight restaurants from day one. It was the worst mistake of my life. Okay. Yeah. Take us through that. <laughs> that's, that's how, how I began my own entrepreneurial journey in the restaurant business. So, so yeah, go ahead. The worst day of your life or the yeah. worst time of your life. Um, there's a lot of things going through my mind. The first of all, this is a really unique story. A lot right. of the people we profile uh, started from nothing. You know, they had nothing. Uh, they they scaled up, and I think that was the original approach that approach you were taking. Let's just test this thing out with a small kitchen. But you got that pressure from your dad, who has the Correct. resources. Uh, let's do eight. Um, Correct. Okay, so I guess take us through. <laughs> I won't assume anything. Take us through why that was a nightmare for you. All right. Uh, no. Just you have the floor. Go for it. <laughs> so, so the first thing I want to say here is I should have trusted my gut. Yeah. Which I did. And my gut said, start with one. Okay. Okay. Why? Why? Because it's always best to get your model right before you expand. Mm. And the model right just doesn't mean getting your food right. Mm. It's getting the size right, getting your economics right, getting your employee policies, structures, hiring, training. There's so much going on. Mm -hmm. Understanding your ideal audience, where you're going to spend money on advertising, 
there's so much that you need to get right on your first one before Fine you move tuning, to the second. tweaking, all the yes. little stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Keep going. So when I jumped in and started a central kitchen, uh, what happened was the central kitchen was costing me a lot of money. Okay. So in the first year, I put up, uh, I think, two stores and the central kitchen. So in, in total of three, uh, I, wa- I was losing money uh, in a, at a very fast rate okay. because the cost of running a central kitchen that's capable of eight restaurants, but not having them. Mm. And the new restaurants are just about coming up. You don't mm-hmm. earn a lot in your first year. You know, any restauranter will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to then look at other ways of making money to sustain the central kitchen, which is I started catering. I, was a, I started a novel concept, but, it, you know, it just made, didn't make that much money, which was, you know, meals and trays delivered to offices, okay. which a menu that changed every day. So it was an ever-changing menu that you could order for a very nominal price, uh, deliver, get delivered to the office. And so, I, so that distracted me from my original path of bringing Italian food to the masses. And that was, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest mistakes I made uh, after listening to my father. I just want to like yeah. slam on the brakes real quick. What I'm hearing, the big mistakes, uh, you started putting yourself in a position where you had to chase money to make yes. it work. And you weren't chasing the vision. You weren't chasing Correct. the 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 essence, that thing that you started Absolutely. with. Why is that so important to to lose to not lose that vision and to to not put yourself in a situation where you're making decisions based on money, but not necessarily what matters. I don't want to say too um, much. I want I want for, it to be your for many words. reasons. Okay. Okay. Uh, one is um, when you're beginning, you need. We, when we begin a business, we don't understand the psychological benefit of, su- in, of success. Okay. You don't think about it. So what I'm trying to say is that when you start small and easy, and then you get one success after another success mm. after another success, it builds your confidence. Mm. Okay. okay. That's really important. So when you're now going off on a different tangent and a different path, and you're not on your original path, you're missing out that. Okay. Two I think when you learn to manage people on a smaller scale, it's easier to manage them on a larger scale. And mm. our business is labor intensive. So that it didn't give me that opportunity to have a team of 15 in India. Now I had a team of a hundred overnight. It was just too much. Okay. Let's dive into this topic. Cause I think I know what you're, you're putting down. Uh, I want to make sure I understand what right. you're saying. So you're saying it's easier I can't remember the line exactly. It's easier to manage a few people. Um, do you know when the you line? When you out, when you're new, absolutely. Okay. So why, obviously, so dive into why it's so important to only manage a few people in the beginning. What's happening, uh, what you're trying to do in that, that early stage of managing just those few people. Okay. Um, if you want, I can also bring in learning of when, you know, I had many restaurants and I'm going to club it together. I'm going to start from the beginning though, which is okay. when you manage a smaller team, you begin to understand what is it that they desire and need. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out what your team really desires and needs and you give it to them, they're not leaving you. So issues of employee turnover, which plague restauranters globally today is uh, if you can find your solution to it, you've got a team on hand that when you train them, they're still with you and they've not taken your training to the competition. Initially, you become, if you don't realize this, you become a training ground for your competition, pretty Mm -hmm. much, you know. Uh, 
Secondly, I think it's about uh, setting systems on how to manage people. So whether it be from simple things like scheduling to more complex things of drafting the right employee policies. So when you begin a small, with a smaller team and you keep in mind, it's best to document everything, even though you're small, it'll help you grow, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I would say these two things are really important. If, if yeah. you can get these right. Yeah. It's, it's, good. it's the one thing, like when people say they want to open a restaurant, like start small, like have yeah. that vision, have that goal, but start where you can make an impact. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what keeps employees happy isn't getting a paycheck. It's taking an interest in them, learning about them, finding out what their needs are and being for that. Like, and when you're small, you can go much deeper. You can have a much bigger, the word I love is impact. You need to have an impact on your people and you need to really imprint on them to the point where you've imprinted so much on them. You've created this model employee that they start to imprint on the the next wave of employees that you hire. Uh, There's a little bit of you in them. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. That's why it's so important to be small so you can Correct. make the biggest impact on your people. When yeah. you have 150 people right away, what kind of impact are you making on each and every one of those employees? So what I would like to say to the person who's listening who has 100 employees, even 50, and he's not small, is that it still can be done if they're having problems, which is at, do the same thing. Understand what they value first. Mm-hmm. Money comes second or third down the line. Mm -hmm. But if you have an employee problem, your first thing that comes to your mind is, am I paying enough? And then you may go down the desperate path of paying more than you should Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And so I I would say even for the bigger guy, if he's having the problem, understand what his employee values most and give it to them. So I'll give you a little tip right here. If you find what they value, create an, a pro, an incentive program around it and see the magic that happens. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the big lesson for me there is just like it's about the impact you have and you can't go as right. deep with each person when you start off that big. And then the whole idea of slowly scaling and developing those systems over time, fine tuning, uh, right. instead of trying to test a system with 150 right. people, you don't know what's going to work and it's chaos. Right. Uh, right. So great lessons here. And uh, keep- also it's strategic, Eric. Yeah. It's strategic uh, because when you work on a smaller scale and you begin documenting, you begin understanding what, you know, your company from within. Mm-hmm. So it's strategic. You understand what you're good at, what you're not good at, mm-hmm. where you want to go, where you don't want to go. Like Are that. these people going to stick with you? Not going to stick with you. If you want to go ahead, what kind of people you need? What are the, you know, what are their traits that are required? Okay. You know, what's the right pay scale? There's so much happening at that small level that will help you grow much faster, much smarter if done right. Okay. So take us uh, further down this journey. I, right. I could, I mean, I okay. could keep on talking about this forever, right. but we got to move forward. Uh, so, uh, you're struggling. Uh, what ends up happening? You have this central location. Life. Okay. Horrible. Take uh, us through it, man. Take us on the oh. journey. <laughs> In the first five years, uh, first five or six years, I built 15 restaurants. Okay. Okay. The central kitchen was still running. I had to open restaurants as fast as possible so that I could uh, pay my bills. Okay. So I, it, it was like a gamble. Like, let's open this so I can get, earn more so I can just pay my bills. Okay. I mean, that's not a smart way to do business. 
but that's the road I went down on. Um, and what happened was at some point I was like, this is not how business is done. Okay. I didn't get much help from anyone. I had, I learned all my uh, hard lessons myself by literally going through the problems and finding a solution. Mm. And, um, at some, you know, and then, and then in 2009, uh, so this went on for a few years. And at this time, believe it or not, I, I didn't take a day off. I didn't take a holiday, no Sundays, seven days a week. Uh, instead of going to work on at 9am on Sunday, I used to go to work at 1130. And I would think that the two and a half hours was my time off in the week. <laughs> Pretty much that was my life. Oh right. my gosh. So in 2009, um, so in 2000, so, so through the years, I also uh, said, I want to franchise. Now, nobody had really franchised their restaurants in India. So I got hold of this lady who I hired part-time. She used to come to my office and I used to just, dic- I used to just dictate to her my manuals. They were just flowing out of my head, you know, okay. my operational manuals, my technical manuals. And we put it together, we put a f- training program together put a franchise model together and I started attending a lot of conferences to sell my franchise, which was very new. Nobody okay. had done this before. It was the first conference in India that came up. Okay. And after maybe a year of, of trying my best to sell my franchise, I finally got my first franchisee okay. who signed five locations. And then time went on to, you know, signing in this city and that city and this city. And then we built it up to quite a few, but then, one of my franchisees actually called me one day and said, Hey, Nandu, you know, we've been doing restaurants and home delivery, but here's this uh, cinema in my city. And they just approached me and said, uh, so, so can you sell pizzas in the cinema for us? And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. Um, nobody's really done that. And we can have it delivered to the seat hot. Okay. So they just place their order. They go sit down. I take their seat number and we deliver it to their seat. And in India, let me tell you, India makes the most amount of movies in the year compared to any other country. Mm-hmm. So when you have a cinema, you're talking 2,000, 3,000 people who are visiting. And if okay. it's a hit movie, you're talking four or 5,000 people wow. visiting. Okay. So it's a captured audience that for security reasons cannot leave the theater once you buy your ticket. Okay. okay? So that's the law in India. You Lots can't leave. And if you leave, you can't come back. Sounds so you like, have to eat inside. Sounds like opportunity. Yes. And okay. that's what I saw was an opportunity. And so I said, let's give it a shot. So we started with one in his city, which was maybe an eight hour drive from where I was. Okay. And I saw that it was successful. And so I brought it down to my city and I started putting up the stores myself to learn the business. Okay. So that I could franchise this part of the business, you know. And we just started opening one after the other, after the other. And, and like here too, there aren't too many cinema companies, you know, they're just like two or three that own all the cinemas. And then you have your local town that may have one or two. That's very local. Okay. So we started working with the big chains and we started opening really fast within the cinema. And that's when things just exploded. So were you, uh, Making the pizza at the restaurant and delivering right. it to the cinema? Okay, or? Good, good question, okay. because I forgot to mention. In 2006, now I, I jumped to 2009, but in 2006, I realized that having a central kitchen was the worst mistake of my life. Okay. I need to get rid of it. <laughs> I shut the central kitchen down. Okay. But here was my challenge. I couldn't go to a Cisco and say, give me my pizza sauce to my recipe or make my cheese as per my recipe. I had a hunt for these guys because they didn't exist. I had to convince people, like, do it for me. And then it was like, will they do it? Will they do it at the right cost? And will they do it with, you know, ensuring 
it's done at the right quality with the right hygiene checks and processes. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't want a third grade product. I wanted the best product out there, you know, and made to my recipe because my volumes were big. Okay. So finally, after approaching people, uh, I did get it done. So my pizza sauce used to come from outside made okay. by someone else, but as per my recipe. But we worked on the recipe for over a year to make a recipe that could be stored without refrigeration and canning. Okay. So that was a big step forward for anyone in the industry because India is hot and humid. <laughs> all right. And it's hot and humid all year round. And so, so, and there weren't many refrigerated units, storage units. It's all new. It was all coming up in 2000s, you know? Okay. Okay. So, so if you had to create a sauce that would stay at room temperature, and be transportable and have at least a three month shelf life and be safe to consume. So once that challenge was over, uh, take, you know, we crossed over. So our sauce started coming from outside. I got local bakers within the city to make it as per a recipe. So the bread started coming from outside and the cheese was made by craft, uh, uh, you know, but as per my recipe. And so what happened was we became the subway for pizza. Okay. You know, the operation was kind of, kind of like that. But the end finishing uh, of baking was done at the store. And so you could smell it when you entered. And that was also done on purpose. Mm. So when you enter the cinema, you get this whiff of pizza and then you want that. So it was par-cooked. So you deliver the pizza par-cooked and they finish it off at the cinema? Not at all. We deliver the bread, you know, just barely baked. Okay. The pizza's uh, sauce is raw. It had to be finished at the thing because I didn't want to give my final recipe to any external supplier. Gotcha. The finishing touch had to be done because that was my secret. Okay. I can't take that out. And so it was fully cooked at the cinema. It was from, you know, putting it together to putting it in the oven, uh, cooking the vegetables or the meat, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so... I shut the central kitchen and I had to, I was forced to find these solutions. This was a turning point in my business. So this tragedy became, you know, an opportunity because when I began, when I was able to outsource my production, that opened the whole country to me. Now I can go anywhere. I don't need a central kitchen facility in every city. And that's how I could actually franchise out of my city. So I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. Okay. So now I'm going to move down to 2009. We've got a couple, we've now started seeing a lot of opportunity in cinemas. And we've started opening in the cinemas. Now, these are just 100 square feet to 150 square feet stores that are doing equal revenue to restaurants. It was okay. just phenomenal business. Okay. So the way to produce at high and deliver high volume from a small space was the key to this business. And I cracked that. And how can I deliver you know, uh, uh, hundreds of pizzas a day from just 100 square feet? Now, within 100 square feet, I had four people working. I had equipment, which was hot and cold. I had a cleaning system that clean every, clean all the dishes, uh, you know, all the dishes you use in the kitchen. And I had an order taking system in the front. And the unique thing that we did was that because nobody knew what pizza, we were selling pizza by the slice, the large pizza by the slice. And because nobody knew what was pizza by the slice, I had a display unit that displayed it like jewelry. You know how when you go to a jewelry shop and you see it propped up, that's how I had to do it because, hey, this is a pizza by the slice. You don't need to buy it round. You can buy it in a triangle. It is not cheating you. (laughs) I have yet to educate the public. It was uh, very difficult, uh, but we did it. And we realized we went, we went to, you know, uh, two malls with photographs uh, holding a paper off a pizza by the slice and saying, what is this? And people would say slice pizza. 
they'd not say pizza by the slice. And so that was a big learning that my whole branding needed to change because I was saying pizza by the slice and nobody was understanding what I was saying. <laughs> but when I changed it to slice pizza, they're like, oh, uh, that's what go. you're telling. <laughs> you know, as simple as that may be, branding, and that was another lesson, branding and messaging is so important Yeah, you know, as you grow. And um, right from day one, I would say. And then comes 2009, which is we've reached a substantial number of stores. Uh, the restaurant expansion was going a bit slower because I saw great opportunity. This was a far easier concept to expand cheaper, much better return on, my, on your investment. Um, so I said, all right, uh, it's time to now go big. And so I saw this ad in the newspaper one day that said, uh, you know, power of ideas, uh, send in your business plan and we'll fund you. And, and this was also new. This was the first time uh, venture capitalists and angel investors were getting, you know, going public in India. And so I said, what the hell? Let me send in a business plan. So I go to a consultant because I didn't know what a business plan was. Uh, I didn't know how to make one. And I hire a consultant to make it for me. And uh, which was also a very good thing I did. And I didn't try and do it myself because I then learned that I know uh, when to go for professional help and when not. Okay. You know, you, you, you should know that. So that's a, good, that's a good point. So when do we know to go right. for professional help and when shouldn't we go for? I think it depends on uh, how much you want it, okay. whatever you're going for and how well it needs to be done. Okay. And do you have a second shot or a third shot or a fifth shot? You got 10 shots at it, sure, try doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you don't and you want to do it in the first or second shot, go to a professional because what comes out at the end is far more than mm. what you paid for. Mm. You know, just learn to pick the right professional. That's all. Yep. Cool. So um, I make a business plan. I pitch it. Uh, it goes through the first round, goes through a second, goes through the third. And now we're talking 15,000 business plans. They're going to only pick one. Right. So after in, so this went on for 11 months of them wanting to talk to me. And in 11 months, I didn't realize what they were doing. They would say, go for this conference or go for this webinar, read this book. I did everything. Yeah. I just followed whatever they wanted because I said, I want to grow my business and I need external funding. I can't yeah. do it myself. And that was, I think, the biggest blessing in disguise for me. Because what came out of those 11 months, apart from being the only business plan that they were willing to fund in 15,000 business plans, from chemical engineers to marketing ad people to, you know, there were hardly any plans that were food-based. Okay. A food business based. It, it was every plan possible and they wanted to pick one. And um, just to jump a little forward on the day of signing uh, my LOI, the letter of intent and getting the funding, uh, there was some issue with the number of directors on board because my family was a big family and they wanted a lot of names on the directorship and, and the, and the, and the, and the guys were giving the money were like, no, that's not how we do it. And then on the last day, it just fizzled out. And uh, that was a breaking point for me after wow. 11 months of work. Wait, right? so the, the plan fell through? It never, it never happened? It fell through on that last day. Oh, my gosh. But, but here's what came out. Here's what came out, which is I met the right people through these webinars, conferences, books. And I started learning systems that were applied from extremely large, successful global and local companies. Okay. And in those 11 months, I was like, why not just try these systems in my business? And when I began to use systems that were not from the restaurant industry that I brought in. What were these, what were these conferences you're going to real quick? 
Um, they were anything from uh, really not related to food being venture capitalist conferences okay. to, to uh, growth. You know, there were people talking about how to grow companies. You know, okay. why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And this company does this and this company does that. Uh, there were these conference people who were flying people from all over the world, all these business gurus and you go listen to them like Robin Sharma and, you know, lots of other uh, people who were giving good business advice. So you're going outside of the industry looking at cutting edge, yes, leading really industries. Good point, Eric, okay. because in the industry, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. You have that opportunity here a lot more than, you know, you'd have it in Asia, which is in the hospitality industry. You don't have many conferences. You have that one national restaurant association conference that everyone would go to. That's about it. Mm-hmm. There's no learning available for restauranters unless you take the, your own initiative, but then what do you do? Where are you going to learn from? There are hardly any books that really teach you anything, you know, on the restaurant industry. That's, how to really run it. Yeah. There aren't any movies. I mean, even trainings out there. Yeah. You'd have the standard training of, uh, you know, there's, I, I can't remember, but there's this one, I think it's from the American Hotels Association that created these videos in the 1970s of how to train your staff. <laughs> you know, that's global. Everybody uses that. Yeah. But that's it. There's pretty much not nothing there after that. So there's nothing there for the owner. Do what, skills, you know? this, this suspense is killing me because I know that you, there's going to be at least two or three big lessons you took away from going Absolutely. to these conferences. So what were those big lessons, right. those lessons that, that you learned? I think the number, uh, number one lesson I learned was to be, to learn, to be strategic. Okay. Dive into that. So what, like, how did that look? Right. So first of all, I didn't even know what strategy meant. You know, it's a big word. It's like a business jargon that I've read in the newspaper or magazines. What does it really mean? And so I first understood that you need a strategy, which is that a strategy is the shortest path to get you from here to there with the maximum amount of return with the least amount of energy and time. Okay. So it's a plan. It's saying, I want to be here by this time and then working backwards to figure out what you need to do to get to that point and have a plan put in place and be intentional. Strategy is more deep diving into your plan. Okay. So it's not a plan. You may have a plan, but then what's your strategy to implement? Okay. It's different. It's often misunderstood. People will say, Hey, what's your strategy? But they don't have a plan. So let me, let, let, let me give you a really quick example. Please. You want to go from, let's say New York to Washington to be there next Monday at 2 p.m. and you're going to drive. That's your plan to make it to this really important meeting. Okay. That's your plan. But then okay. what's your strategy? Your strategy is you're going to use a car. Okay. So All you right. say, okay, uh, I'll check. Is 8 a.m. the right time to leave or should I leave at 7 or 6? Because I'll miss rush hour traffic. And that way I'll get to stop for lunch on the way. And um, I can make it to my meeting on time. That's your strategy. You've decided the time. You've decided the highway. You've decided what time you're going to leave. And you're going to get there to make it happen. So you reach to reach your goal, whatever plan you have. But that's not what I took away only. What I took away was it's important to have the right strategy. Okay. And how you do that is what's going to get you to your goal the shortest distance with the least amount of energy, time, and money. And so if I were to use the same example, I'd open my computer, check the weather channel, see if it's going to rain next Monday. Suppose it was, I'd say, scrap driving, let's fly. And I'll rent a car because the outcome, even though it may be a few bucks more to do that, the outcome, if I am successful at the meeting and I make that meeting, which is my goal, the returns are going to be great, much bigger than 
a few 50 or hundred dollars that it cost me to fly instead of drive. So the strategy is more related to the, the systems, processes, procedures, techniques, yes. how you're and understanding pull what you're good at, what you're not good at. Okay. Uh, what is it that you should look at? What you shouldn't look at once you've understood that. You know? Okay. So you learn how to be strategic. What strategic, else did you learn? Yes. And I learned the importance of communication. Okay. How did you, okay. it sounds like you, you knew this at a young age though. Like right, but, the examples you gave earlier with yeah. communicating with these people. So what did you learn different? The, yeah. or, or what it, new it, things did you learn about what I really learned was what these big companies were doing were that they had a set system of communication okay. which, which, is the only, which is one thing that we have in restaurants is our daily meeting which okay. if it's done right that's also if it's done but these guys had a set system for daily weekly monthly quarterly and yearly it was a set system okay. I said hey let me implement that set system in my business and it's what you discuss on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and yearly that creates a rhythm. It's like music, you know? It's like the right sound beats come together to create a rhythm. And when you create that rhythm in your communication, in your company, and you communicate what it is that ever you want to communicate, but you do it in this rhythm, it's, it, it's, it will get you phenomenal results. And so I learned communication is, communication is excellent and, and very important. But doing it consistently, right, consistently will set you free. Mm. Consistency sets you free. So because why? Why? Okay. So what is the life of a restauranter today? He goes in on Monday, what's there for the week, firefights through the week, you know, finishes off tired, comes home, doesn't get time to himself, barely any time with kids and wife or girlfriend, and goes to sleep or goes out and then starts again. Right. If you're a little more uh, mature, you've got your system set, but you're still going in and doing the same pretty much stuff. You're coming home, you have a little more time and that's about it. Mm -hmm. What communication rhythm, the rhythm of communication does is that you address what you need to do for the week on Monday. So for the next seven days, you don't need to address it again. Mm. So what it does for the owner is it helps him plan for the week, which is he doing or not? I don't know. But I want to start reverse. I, so you plan for the year. You break it into four quarters. Then you break it into three months because they're three months per quarter. Mm-hmm. Then you break it into four weeks. So you know exactly what you need to achieve in four weeks. Mm. And you stick to that plan. So what you're talking on Monday is exactly for that week. And then you break it down for seven days. So what I talk today for 15 minutes is aligned to my week, which is aligned to my month, which is mm. aligned to my quarter, which is aligned to my year. That's how you'll reach a yearly target. By talking about it 365 times and reviewing it 365 mm-hmm. times. And then talking about it, communicating, making sure everybody who's on your team Correct. knows the plan, Correct. knows where you're going, and everyone's Correct. pulling in the same direction. Correct. And that's what I Powerful. took away from meeting these people. And wow. then you see, that didn't come easy. That was just understanding it. But then I had to take that and adapt it for the restaurant industry. Mm. And a lot of my employees were uneducated, fourth grade or third grade dropouts. Mm-hmm. And some of them didn't speak English. Some of them did. I had to translate into different languages, the system, and then experiment, trial, error. And that went on for two years. Man. But when I did, within three years, I tripled my revenues. My competition wow. was far left far behind. Just tripled. because everybody was pulling in the same direction. Yeah, because the they, didn't, they didn't step out of the box because we're still implementing what, what we were taught, I don't know how many years back. And, and they're not updating and learning new things. And they're not stepping out of the box and seeing what's going to work. So 
I'll tell you what happened then was that I lost fear of advertising. See, mm-hmm. today we're so overwhelmed, right? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so many things. Bring in new customers. How do I do that? What's my competition doing? I don't need to care about, I don't need to care about all of that because when you, when you have strong systems and a procedure and a set way of doing business, that, that kind of triples your revenues, doubles your profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really need to care because your product is so well taken care of by mm-hmm. then because it helps you do that. And your employees don't leave you. So they're trained and they stay that your repeat customers are going to go up. Your business doesn't need to necessarily always come from outside. You're, so if I were to ask any restaurant, Hey, what's your repeat clientele? Like, and he says like 10%, I'm like, what if the rest 90 came back to you? Do you even need to put an ad? No. <laughs> right. So and forget what's... about ads. Yes. Do that as supplementary, but so... that's, that's not, that's not, you know, there's a smarter way. Let's put it that way. So say it again. Uh, what you believe it is that enables you not to have the ads is the consistency. What what exactly is it? Is the 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 uh, low turnover? What what is it exactly uh, right. that you think? So is- so I don't I don't think ads are bad. So it's not like you don't put ads. Okay. But even but but having a set system of communication of what you want to do. So if I were to tell a restaurant or this, you know, hey, how do you run your business? And he explains it to me. I'd say, don't change anything. I'm not saying to change anything. Let's upgrade your business. Put in, the, put in a better system of communication, of alignment. Bring everybody onto your page. Let, let's look at your strategy, what you're good at, what you're not. So you don't stress about things you're not good at. Let's just focus on your strengths. Forget your weaknesses. Because they're never going to become really strengths. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of pointless to make a weakness a strength. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's look at what you're good at. Let's yeah. find a way for you to communicate it better. Yeah. Let's teach you a couple, you know, see your skills that you can bring to the table. And then let's look at what it takes to bring back more repeat customers. And when, when he begins to understand and starts, it's like opening his eyes through a new pair of lenses, you know, it opens and see, and and his vision opens. Oh my God, I really don't need to go out. I can just bring these people back. It just changes his mind and the mindset. I'm not saying you shouldn't get new people. I'm saying, how about first getting the people who already like you to just come back more often? So what I'm hearing from you is just to lean into what you do best and continue to fine tune that thing. And just instead of looking out for opportunity, look in for opportunity. First. Also. I'd not say first. Also. Do both. But also. Now, imagine if you, if you are talking to your staff every day, you're aligned, you're speaking about your targets and everything on a daily basis. I'm not going to go into detail what one should do. But if you're doing that, then uh, when you see an opportunity, you know, you're, you know you can either take it or not because you're very clear. Mm. When you see an opportunity, you know your numbers are very strong internally. You know your cash flow is good. Can you take that opportunity? Is, does it make sense or not? You're not working from emotion only. Oh, that opportunity is really good. Let's jump on it. It's because you do as restaurants, we get excited, (laughs) Uh, but that's maybe not smart all the time. You don't get distracted. Like you're focused. Like this is what we're doing. This is what we're committed to. You're Mm. laser focused on your yearly goal. You're just laser. First, that has to be done. So priorities begin, become very important, like to understand what your priorities are in your business. Mm. And, and, um, yeah, I forgot. What was the question? <laughs> I don't even know either. Uh, we just started talking about, uh, I think, the... Yeah, you asked me how, how this changed uh, 
how learning from these people and different things that I did something. Yeah, man, we got yeah. on some tangents yeah. there. We're just, we're pulling back the layers on what you learned from all these different uh, trade shows, the conventions you went to, and yes. then you really started, I think so I, I asked you I, why, why yeah. it's so, why it works so well. And that's how yeah. we ended up here. So but I, said I, I was trying and adapting it for the restaurant industry. Uh-huh. And when I did, I found my own system and then I documented that system. Okay. So it became a system that my, all my restaurants, kiosks, you know, food court counters, everybody was using together. Okay. And everybody was speaking the same language. You know, we were speaking the same numerical language and the same English language. Hmm. And so much was, we could talk about right now. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, that was alignment through this communication system being consistent that set me free. So I want to yeah. tell you what that did to my life. From going working 15-hour workdays, I used to come home sometimes. I, after 3 o'clock, I had no work because, you know, when you know what you have to do for the week on Monday, it's finished. You've had your meetings. That's done. You're clear what you're supposed to do in the month, and that's done. Okay, now what? Everything's running fine. Yeah. So by Wednesday, I'm like, all right, uh, it's 3 o'clock. Let's go home. So I used to go home, and, my, you know, when I opened the door, my wife was like, why have you come home so early? You know, because that was her time alone. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, you're, you're impinging yeah. on my time. Um, uh. So, so it, you know, I had that time to work on myself. Yeah. Because that's something that was missing. So, for example, I, started, I could take up hobbies. I could start working out. I took, mm-hmm. up a new, I took up a new practice of meditation. I started working on myself. Something was, this I all, done. was this all before your heart attack or after your heart attack? All before. Okay. But the, these were the positive changes that were happening. Okay. You know, already started happening. Mm. But like I said, my body had already taken a toll. You know, it was yep. too late. A heart mm. attack starts much before than it really happens. Yep. You know, uh, the buildup of it. Yeah. And um, what this, so what all of this really helped me do was get back my time mm-hmm. to lead a balanced life between profit and business. Yeah. I mean, yep. profit and life, you know, yep. Yep. lead that balanced life because that's what we all work towards, right? We want that both as restaurant owners we want both it's not like we are like you know machines who go to work yeah and that is something that i learned uh, also so all this came out from not from from not signing that 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 uh, contract to get the funding and actually deep diving into it to do it myself yeah and you know just so much going on here and just so many things we can take away from this. Like for me, the big thing is just, you know, having that strategy, knowing how it's going to get done and then communicating it. And I, there's so much more that I'm sure goes on behind the scenes Absolutely, as far as not. More. Yeah. Like you actually, then I'm sure you're like, not just training your staff on the systems process, processes, procedures, and how to do the job, but you're also, I'm sure educating them on why you're doing all these things, the way you're doing them, Correct. you're teaching them business and Correct. you're, you're enabling them. You're getting them to the point where you can take a step back because yeah. now you have all these systems in place. You've communicated intent where you want to go and you can start delegating and really letting these people do their job and you can step back and Absolutely. go and, like, so, we didn't really dive into that. So, part of so it, let but. me, let me tell you what happened. So I, we go, my wife and me take a vacation for 21 days, uh, first time in my life. And um, since I started this business and I didn't get any phone calls. So I got a little scared, you know, like, oh my God, is it that bad at work that they didn't call me? <laughs> and I come back and um, there was a problem, but they handled it so well that they said, we didn't need to call you. And I was like, wow. 
that's a different life, you know, from what I had before. Wow. And so the next vacation I took, again, 21 days, I didn't take my phone to the pool because (laughs) I didn't need to. I wasn't bothered. I wasn't afraid. I left my phone at home. I didn't care, you know. Um, and, And to be able to do that, not check your emails, not get a phone call from work, uh, that's just, that's a break, you know, in yeah. 65 days. It's a lot of work, man. It gets to that point, it's but a lot of work it, it, it pays off. And absolutely. I mean, I just realized we're at an hour of recording time, man. Right. I lost okay. track of time, but is there anything that we haven't discussed? Any part of your story that's key that will just make my listeners better after hearing that you want to drop on us before we go to the speed round? Um, what I want to just maybe tell anybody who wants to get into the industry or is in the industry is that there are ways to, you know, hard work is important, but add it with some smart work. Mm. And that helps you jump leaps and bounds ahead. So for the guys who are just starting out or who have a shaky foundation in their business, it's, it's learned from re- other restaurants. So yeah. you don't have to make the same mistakes like yeah. what you're doing, you know, yeah. And for the guys who are set, but want to take their business to the next level, they'll have to upgrade their skills mm-hmm. and learning. They have to, they don't have a choice. I love that you, I, I love that you said, uh, hard work is important, but so isn't smart work. But I think a lot of time people, uh, consultants particularly, yeah. let you think that there is no hard work if you, if you yeah. work smart. Yeah, the truth yeah, is. No. <laughs> there's always going to be hard work that's when the restaurant in his head is like all right yeah. <laughs> you know, i don't want to listen to this guy he doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about yeah so thank you for not doing that saying yeah. oh if you yeah thank you but anyway um man th- like i i really want to pull back the layers on this uh I th- is maybe you can come back on the show in the future sure, and I'd love really to. dive into that topic of how you s- live intentionally how you have that strategy and how you create this plan to uh basically i, I mean you said it better than I could, but I, I really want to dive deeper, but we have to move on. Um, it, up to this point, uh, if you could just break down like three or two, like quickly, like aha moments, things you know to be true, things maybe you might have done differently uh, knowing what you know now, what would they have been? Um, I would say keep learning and be patient with yourself. Okay. Don't be hard on yourself. And uh, I think that's a huge part of what you did too, is you took it upon yourself to go to all these conventions, to go to look outside of the industry and to never stop learning. But at the same time, doing what you did as far as setting up those systems, those processes, communicating, uh, having these meetings and really getting to the point where you can delegate all the work to other people allows you to go out and learn new things, uh, which is, I I think, you know, to kind of sit to build off of what we said earlier is that there's a lot of hard work and smart work. Like the hard work never goes away. If you really want to be successful, you, you will always be working, but it's what you, you get to choose the work you want to work on. Right. uh, And, and you don't have to wait till you have the time. Mm -hmm. You have to make the time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, awesome. it's how bad you want it. Do you want to take your business to the next level? You make the time to make it happen. Yeah. You Beautiful. know, and, uh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, before we go to the speed round, I like to get a failure from my guests. So a time where you really fell hard on your ass. Uh, take us through that time. Yeah. Like I was saying, uh, listening to my father and opening that central kitchen. Yeah. It was extremely hard. Um, I used to sit on my desk in the, in the office and just, not know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. I was losing money so fast. And yep. um, 
I was taking out a good product. My sales were not going up. And I just couldn't, I couldn't put two and two together. Like, yeah. why is it not happening? That was really hard on me. Mm. Very, very hard time. So the lesson there, the, the hindsight being 2020 is you would have started much smaller and scaled yeah. into the, okay. I would say the hindsight is listen to your gut. Mm. Powerful stuff there. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. As you know, I don't promote or recommend any products or services my guests haven't first recommended or that I haven't used myself. Well, when I needed a new logo for Restaurant Unstoppable, I chose Design Crowd. I got to admit, it was a great experience, too. Here's what I did. I visited designcrowd.com, where I posted a brief description of what I was looking for in my logo. Design Crowd then invited over 550,000 designers to get to work on my project. A few hours after... After submitting my project, I began to receive a flood of designs from around the world, about 90 designs to choose from altogether. All it took was a small investment of $400. Not only was the experience inexpensive and easy, the designers were willing and ready to make the slightest adjustments at my request. To get up to $100 off your first project, head over to designcrowd.com slash unstoppable or enter promotional code unstoppable at checkout. Yo, guys, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely a restaurant or bar owner who wants to be a better leader, who wants to make more money, who wants to be more successful, who wants to work smarter, not harder, and you just want to be great, which means you know you can never stop educating yourself. If that sounds like you and you want to learn how to attract more new customers and get a competitive edge over your competition, sounds pretty good, right? Then you need to listen to this message. You got to listen. Just ready for it? Here it is. Leading industry expert. Nick Fosberg and past guest of Restaurant Unstoppable wrote what I believe to be the best how-to book on attracting new customers and creating highly profitable promotions on a shoestring budget. And because you're Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, he's going to give you this book not for $30 on Amazon, but you're getting it for free. Yeah, free. Go to freebrsbook.com right now and get a copy. Again, that's freebrsbook.com. Get your free copy while supplies last. We're back. The first question I have for you, Nandu. Am I saying your name correctly? I'm always worried I'm saying it. Nandu. <laughs> Nandu. I'm the, yeah, Nandu. Nandu. I'm the yeah. worst with names. All right. No, Nandu, okay. the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor, habit, trait, characteristic, something you believe most contributes to your success? Um, that's a big question. It would be... Um, Consistency. Mm. Huge. Like, yeah. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Perfectionism. Ooh. It's an absolute waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Dive into that real quick, though. It doesn't uh, exist. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist. So what's your uh, advice for that person who's a perfectionist? I'd say what I tell myself every day, 80% is good enough. Beautiful. And is that really it? Or do you maybe come back later and just get it launched where it is and then slowly improve over time. No, I mean you, if for a perfectionist, are you asking yeah. me for a perfectionist? It's never, <laughs> he never launch. It's like, let's, let's, let's give it another true. day. And yeah, let's yeah, give yeah. it another day. Just it's like 80% is good enough. Launch fast, launch dirty. I got you. And then improve on it. You know? All right. Get um, out there. Yeah. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? I would say, believe in yourself uh, because you're going to hear a lot on the way. You're not good enough or you're doing things wrong or um, 
you know, there'll be a lot of naysayers always, and you need to be your own champion, you know? Mm-hmm. What is one question or thing you look for during the interview process? You know, um, I don't have any questions. Uh, I'm not great at taking interviews because when I sit in front of a person, I just listen to my gut. Mm. Do I want to work with this person or not? That's pretty much, I may ask a few questions, but that's really what I'm looking for. Okay. And I've hired the best people without looking at their educational background. It made no difference. You know, I just looked at their ability, their potential. And do I want to work with them or not? Mm. Can I work with them? Well, I enjoy them. Yes. Uh, they, you know, like, I think, I can't remember who said Are they said capable, it. able? That's yeah, all I really need. But trust that first, it, like that first impression is going to be the same thing that your guests are feeling. Because it's all about that first impression. Right. Uh, so trust that first impression. Um, and what's a current challenge right now or something that you see a lot of restaurateurs uh, being challenged with since you don't currently own a restaurant? I'd say, um, so we didn't mention that I sold my chain. That's why I don't currently own any (laughs) and I moved to the United States. Um, I would say that uh, after talking to restauranters just last month in seven different countries, I realized our problems are all the same. Okay, so I'm referring to Brazil, UK, India, Philippines, US, Canada, and Switzerland. And the number one challenge globally was employee retention. Mm. Turnover of employees is, is uh, I'm seeing the biggest problem. It's happening globally. And what's your, what do you think the solution to employee retention is? I think they still have to learn how to value their employees and incorporate it within their business through the right systems. Like I said, an incentive program. It's one thing to just say I value them, but then you need to make them feel it. You need, mm-hmm. to, make, you need to pay them appropriately. And it all has to be linked through efficiencies. So that it's a business, right? You're not running a charity. Yep. So how do you incorporate that value into business? It will solve the solution. That's what I would say. Okay. Uh, what is one thing that your restaurants did well, aside from fr- food that separated you from other restaurants? Uh, we, we were aggressive to grow. Okay. And what I mean is not at the cost of the, uh, the customer. That every day we spoke about newer opportunities or how we can improve our business. Mm. So you created that that culture of growth, that culture of improvement, culture of growth. Correct. The growth mindset. Okay. But not just like, it wasn't me. It was even the cook. Like, Hey, what can we do? He was involved in the conversation and the dishwasher. So what do you think was at the core of that growth? Was it size or was it, what was driving that, that, that culture? Was it how, no, it was like, we're doing a great job. We need this to go to newer places. It was more about that. It wasn't really about numbers mm-hmm. because I had learned that lesson, right? right yeah. From day one, yeah. I had the numbers. Numbers don't, having you, uh, X amount of stores don't mean anything. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. just doing something exciting and knowing that you can bring this Provide value. Thing. Yeah. Provide mm-hmm. value to the people. My value is so much, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to, to when the person comes to watch a movie, you know, their whole experience is so much better eating a hot slice uh, mm-hmm. while watching a movie and not just popcorn or something cold. And today, my value with helping restauranters is so much because um, it's exciting to me is, is because I'm getting a chance to make a difference to their business and life. You know, teaching them how to lead that balanced life. Yeah. And, and imagine the kids who get more time with the dad, you know, <laughs> or imagine the holiday he could take that he couldn't. Or imagine the more money in the pocket that he has today to do what he wants. There's so much more than yeah. just 
what is seeing, you know. I you asked it. me to see a bird's eye view, so I gave you my <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. All right, so uh, what is one book that's a must-read that we all have to pick up if we want to be better um, restauranters? Or I would say people? Good to Great from Jim Collins. What was your biggest lesson in that book? Understanding what is good and what is great in a company. Mm. It's just you, understanding that. What are the fundamentals of a great company? Give us one thing that separates a good company from a great company. Consistency. Okay, good thing that's your it factor. Um, and uh, guys, that book is on uh, audio or is in audio format. If you head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable, uh, you can get that book for free if you are not already an audio or audible rather uh, customer. So yes, do become, do you listen to audiobooks? I'm curious. No, I read. I oh man, I love audiobooks. It's yeah. changed my life. But anyway audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. Yeah, I should try it out, but I've, yeah. I'm, I'm, I like to touch a book. I hear you. Uh, what's one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant and uh, how, or maybe that you see people adopting now in restaurants that you think is worth our attention? I think the, the you know, um, I've, I've seen some restaurants going into a dashboard format for their, new, their numbers. And okay. seeing it in a dashboard um, so that they can review it and everyone can review it. So there's like a, basically like a, 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 a website you can go to that. Houses- I think so. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of it, but um, it doesn't necessarily have to be made by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make it in Excel and share your numbers with your staff on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, the, There's a bunch of platforms I know right. I do that. Um, I mean, most uh, cutting edge POS systems that are up to date um, right. either have software that integrate that right. draws, pulls that data and puts it to one spot. So you can glance to see how you're doing day to day. I think observe is one technology that does that pretty well. Uh, right. That integrates with a lot of POS systems. I, I can link to that in the show notes if you guys are interested, but um, what else do we have here? Uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time then do and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? I would say start small, think big. Start small, think, think big. big. Dive into that. If I could go back in 2002, I would have started with that one unit, mm-hmm. one store, uh, but with the vision to grow. Mm. So, the actions that I would have taken were in alignment with a much bigger plan. So -hmm. for example, if I had cracked the code on employee policies, I would have documented them knowing that I need this for a bigger day, you know, when I need to expand my restaurants Mm -hmm. or um, sometimes the investment you make initially, even when you're small, maybe a little more than the other guy who is also going small, but you're investing for the future. So your decisions begin to change a bit. You know, you begin to invest right for the future, but being realistic where you are today. Got it. So a lot of, I mean, a lot of things would have changed if I'd actually known this then. If I'd only known what I know now, I mean, life would have been a whole different story. <laughs> right. Uh, that's why this podcast exists, though, to share the stories, yeah. to share the lessons so people out there don't make the same mistakes or have at least some kind of guidance to go ahead and move forward in the future. And is there one question that I could have asked you that would have provided more value to this conversation? Right. I, I think um, what's the one thing you could do to take – that you do or you're doing to take care of yourself. 
What is one thing you're doing to take yeah. care of yourself? I go for a walk every day. Yep. Um, and that, and and I meditate, and that's what I do to take care of myself. When do you do this? I meditate uh, either in the morning or late in the night before going yep. to bed. And, and why I go for a walk in the evenings? Talk to us about this. Is something I've recently uh, adopted into my life. And why is that so important? Meditating. What does it do for you? Meditating for me just helps me um, calm down first, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, helps me just um, see where I am and dig deep as a person. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it, it just gets rid of the clutter. It gets rid of the yeah, noise. It gets rid of the clutter. And, and, and so I think restaurateurs have such busy lives yep. that that's why I think that's the one question, you know, because I'm all for the balance. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, growing your business is as equally important to leading that balance life. Yeah. And to yeah. use you as an example, you had that time where you were focused on chasing the money. Uh, you're, you got right. too big and meditating. If you were meditating back then, you would have maybe taken a step back and gone. Okay, oh, I like, think I would have made so many better decisions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just keeps you focused on what, what it's all about. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, one thing I want to start doing, then do uh, in the future with Restaurant Unstoppable is with the experts like you. I'm curious if I can invite you back on the show. What would you want to talk about? What would you? What, what value could you bring my audience if we were to dive deep on one lesson in 30 minutes? Um, I think I could really talk about how to help um, your audience get back their time, how to better plan uh, their day um, using you know you using different mindsets and techniques that would create more time for them. And then, and then what they do with that time is up to them. Yeah, and I would love to do that because I feel like we kind of just scratched the surface earlier today and I had to move the conversation forward. So would you want to come back and talk about that? I would love that? to come back. Beautiful. Awesome. I'm gonna, we'll figure that out when maybe before the end of the week we'll get you back on the show to really dive deep into that topic. And um, sure. I guess that's it for today. Uh, man, uh, you were great. Uh, before I do let you go, we have to call you, somebody out somebody you admire in this industry. That's how I I find my guests through calling them out. So who does admire or who do you admire? And uh, who do you think would make a great guest mentor on the show like you made for us today? Um, I would, I would like to say um, I recently uh, met an old school friend who I was, who I got back in touch with. Her name is uh, Gabriela Villar. Um, she runs an extremely famous restaurant in a city called Curuciba, Brazil, called Quintana Cafe and Restaurant. Ooh, I love when the restaurant unstoppable goes international. Right. <laughs> and um, um, I was really impressed. I was really excited after talking to her because this girl has set up a fantastic restaurant business. Mm. Uh, it's buzzing. But what she's done is that she's... Um, said that I'm not going to do it at the cost of the environment. Mm. So she's done what a lot of other restaurants have done, but done it differently, which is she's done uh, the whole composting to beehive, uh, you know, ha- having their own bees for honey in, in house to then what blew my mind was she went out into the villages in Brazil and she met these farmers and started, you know, encouraging them to regrow crops that were getting extinct. And she told me a story of how she met this one farmer and he had this one particular bean, you know, in, in Brazil, there are a lot of beans 
and there's one particular bean that was going extinct. And um, he was like, nobody's buying it from me. And she's like, why don't you plant it for me? I'll buy the lot. It wasn't a big lot. She said it was like 150 kilos or like 300 pounds. Um, beans have a long shelf life. So I guess that's why, you know, it's okay to do yeah. that. And then within two years, she's buying two tons from him. Wow. So imagine what happened to him, his life, the life of people around him. You know, and 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 sustaining that culture and the environment, and she's infusing that in in her business. And then, what blew my mind even further is that she expanded her restaurant and created an art studio, where she displays cultural art from across the country, from the the Indians of Brazil, to bringing them there, to showcasing their culture and music and art, and uh, infusing that as you know with her food and. It's become like a, not a restaurant anymore. It's like a cultural hotspot. And she told me because she could do that, even when Brazil was going through its economic downturn, she was raising her rates. Yeah. You know, it's, there's something special to be said about what the future of the industry looks like. It's using her as an example where, in my opinion, future restaurants, the people who really knock it out of the park are going to do more than just food. They're really going to exist for reasons that, have a huge impact on their communities uh, who are just are purpose driven concepts. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's not going to be enough to do food well in the future to really be a, a leader in your community. You, you really have to have other reasons to exist. I think, um, what do you think? I think you, I do agree with you. I think you have to have other reasons to exist. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be physical or tangible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you have purpose to really, to serve or anything. Yeah, the purpose has to be very clear. Awesome. And that's what I really teach, you know, in it through F and B business mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. is how to get that, how to understand that value and purpose you bring. Gabriella Villar, look out, I'm coming after you. And uh, <laughs> let the folks know how we can connect with you. I mean, you you teach courses, uh, you're gonna come right. back on the show, but uh right. I mean what else can we expect from you if we were to head over to uh so, so what I did was I brought all that experience, knowledge uh, of mine and the systems that were extremely successful for me that I implemented in multiple different concepts, uh, be it restaurant, food court, food cart, name it, and through multiple different cities. And it, and it came to be a proven concept of mm-hmm. managing your restaurant that could drastically increase your revenues and get back your time. And I put all of that into a course called the Restaurant Profit Accelerator course for restauranters who are who are serious about making a difference to their business and life. Mm. You know, it's 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 teaching you how to literally, like I did, triple my revenues, double your profits, make more time, live a better life, spend more time with your family and friends. And I teach them how to do this through a five week, five module course online, available twenty four seven. Oh, beautiful. To F and B Business School, yeah, and I'll have that link in the show notes. If you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com. Okay, thank you. No problem. Slash three five one. I'll have links to F and B Business School. F and B School. F and B Business School. Business School. Sorry, <laughs> I'll have that link in the show notes right there, waiting for because you. Because it's for that guy who's really serious yeah. <laughs> to make a difference. Awesome. You know? Really, great. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to getting you back on the All show. Right. Uh, it's going to be great. And uh, thank you so much for you, sharing your knowledge with us today, man. And uh, just being an example of, you know, never ending learning, uh, improving yeah. yourself, knowing the power of communication, the, the power of empowering your, your staff, uh, 
so much to learn from today's episode. Thank you so much. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> and we'll cut it there. Awesome episode. Great advice. Thank you so much, Nandu, for coming on here, sharing your story, uh, sharing the significance of daily meetings, sharing the significance of scaling over time and making an impact and uh, communication. So much great advice came out in today's episode. Uh, And Nandu is coming back. He will be back, uh, I believe, the, the next episode. So uh, we're going to dive deeper. And he has some great advice on just getting time back and make, you know, just time management. I think that's probably probably the, the direction we're going to go in. He's probably going to just go deep on what he's learned. And hopefully we can p- provide as much value to you as possible. And uh, I'm looking forward to that episode. So uh, do stand by for that. And uh, like always, guys, please do connect with me, Eric, at Restaurants Unstoppable. It's my email. I love hearing from my listeners. I love hearing about ideas, ways I can make this podcast better, people you want me to have on the show, topics you want covered. Let me know. Connect me on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore, and Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable. And uh, can't wait for the future, guys. Uh, The show just keeps growing every month. More and more downloads. I can't wait to take this thing to the next level. Um get some stuff up my sleeve stand by uh it's gonna get good not that it hasn't already been good but it's gonna get really good so uh can't wait for the future thank you guys all so much for sticking around this long until next time peace out